Young's week continues. This time, the top 40-ish wide receivers will throw a few extra names in there for all of you. Uh, Hayden, looking at our combined rankings and tiers, I'd say that this is the position where we disagree the most. Yeah, I think there's a talent uh, component to the wide receiver rankings that we can possibly argue against. And I think another thing is just like team environments, how much like a rookie quarterback matters. And there's just so many layers to this. It's uh, obviously wide receiver talent is the thing that matters the most here, but there's a lot of things to get them the ball. Yeah, lots of quarterback, offensive coordinator, play caller, team changes every single offseason. That greatly impacts wide receiver play. And that's not to say that in the top 15 names, potentially we disagree that most that much. But after that, we really diverge. And that's how we're going to focus the show is where Hayden and I disagree on those players. And also where we disagree with ADP, all of your drafts out there and use that for leverage in all of your drafts. Okay, here we go. We kick it off with tier one. And it starts with none other than Justin Jefferson and then back to back for us, Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. So this is an easy conversation. Just Jeff- Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one in every single draft. Jamar Chase, what he did last year in terms of his deep ball percentage, literally dropping in half from 26% as a rookie to just 13% last year. I view that as a positive because he's shown us in two ways that he can put up monster fantasy performances on a weekly basis. And then it's Cooper Cup. Um, Hayden, what we got word last night is a hamstring injury. What is your view on this for people drafting right at this moment? Well, I have Cooper Cup as my second wide receiver ahead of Jamar Chase. If Cooper comes back from this injury, it sounds like it's a middle of the pack hamstring injury that usually takes two, three, four weeks. The Rams really don't play that much preseason with their starters, especially Cooper Cup. He's so high paid. We know what he is at this point. So it really just can he get back for week one and older players do have a higher rate of re-injury risk. And that's kind of the thing with Cooper Cup. But I will say he was out there practicing. That's why his hamstring got injured. His ankle, which was the actual problem last year, does seem fine. The Cooper Cup upside is obvious. 145 receptions in 2021. Last year was on pace for 153 of them. You can make an argument that their defense is way worse. The skill players around him is way worse. And the offensive line is actually better. All of that is playing into Cooper Cup's favor. I think this tier, I feel very good about this next yes. tier. They have to earn the right to go compete with Justin Jefferson. And these guys. I'm totally with you. Maybe in your drafts, people are being reactionary, even some rankings, I'm sure, of creators that you're watching. They are moving Cooper Cup, I don't know, to wide receiver four, five, six out of this tier. To me, there's a pretty significant gap to move him out of this top three. And to Hayden's point, if we look back here in three weeks and Cooper Cup is at full strength in practice, he vaults back up to wide receiver two for me. Again, we have five plus weeks until week one right now. And to Hayden's point, For his entire tenure as the Rams head coach, Sean McVay has never played stars during the preseason. So, yes, you're talking about an age 30 wide receiver, but we have a very long time until Cooper Cup has to go full strength on an offense that he knows like the back of his hand. And as you said last year, uh, if he continued his points per game basis, he would have once again been the wide receiver one. Yep. It's that simple. MRI does make me a little bit concerned with hamstrings. It's not just, you know, your normal hamstring. But again, we have a very, very long time and we will adjust moving forward. Okay, there's a gap. We get to tier two. It starts off for us with AJ Brown and then Tyreek Hill. Many people want to put Tyreek Hill even at points this offseason, Hayden, as the wide receiver three overall. But he's our wide receiver five. 
Yeah, I just don't trust him as much as this other tier, especially with A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, younger. The offense is more sustainable to me. I think A.J. Brown is terrific. Tyreek Hill was fantastic last year. Uh, finishes a wide receiver four, eighth overall player in fantasy points over replacement per game. He's had some offseason issues. He's already talked about how he wants to play on this contract and then retire after that. He's older than people think he is and I just think that I keep going back to this kind of regression that might happen with the Dolphins after week 12 Tua was 31st in EPA 31st in completion percentage over expected they stopped throwing these RPOs before that they were averaging almost three completions per game on RPOs afterwards it went from zero one zero 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 one RPO completions that's just because of the way that defenses were playing I do think if the regression is going to happen it would impact Waddle more than Tyreek Hill because I've seen Tyreek Hill do this for so long, but I do have some systemic issues with this offense, at least the downside risk. We already know what the ceiling is for Tyreek. Yeah, a bunch of these offenses, including the Eagles, the Dolphins, will get to with their quote-unquote second wide receivers and those conversations. Just quickly with Tyreek Hill, we know that he's a great scheme fit. Uh, he's a great scheme fit in any offense, but he did have a career low in yards up a catch per reception last year. It's, it's interesting because the 49ers are typically super – near the top of the list with that, but the Dolphins were near the bottom of the list in it last season, despite many people thinking that they run the same exact scheme. Okay, after this, for us, it's Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and Garrett Wilson. I quickly want to talk about Garrett Wilson since he's coming into his second season in the league. Year two breakouts happen all the time, and now he's connected to Aaron Rodgers, recent two-time MVP. Um, I'm not saying he is Devontae Adams as a player, but how an Aaron Rodgers offense, which he brings with him wherever he goes, utilizes the focal point of the passing game inside of the red zone and specifically inside the 10-yard line is bananas. I mean, Devontae Adams had the second most red zone touchdowns in 2021, the most in 2020. He, whenever he finds that mind meld with one of those wide receivers, they run so many option routes and so many plays designated for that focal point, again, in the passing game. And it's not going to be anyone else other than Garrett Wilson in this Nathaniel Hackett offense. Yeah, he's so good in the screen game because Garrett Wilson's such an athletic wide receiver. And Aaron Rodgers has so much control of the offense. He has the ability to check out of a play and just throw a ball, a little quick bubble screen to those wide receivers. You saw that with Devontae Adams a ton. And that provides a baseline. And I also just want to say... Garrett Wilson, I think coming out, it was very obvious how good of a wide receiver he's going to be. He also had room for improvement in a lot of areas. And the fact that he's this athletic, he's already shown this much. To me, if there's going to be a player like versus like Chris Olave, for example, I thought was already pro ready. Garrett Wilson was like going to be very good. But the ceiling for him to develop in the NFL, I thought was there. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if second, third, fourth seasons for Garrett Wilson just go all, all the way to the moon. Yeah, he had nine red zone targets in the opening three games of last season alone, and then had one in Zach Wilson's next seven games. Uh, quarterbacks changed a lot of his, you know, advanced splits last year, and he didn't hit 80% of the snaps until week eight of last season. Um, different show, different conversation. Slightly nervous about this Jets offensive line tackle situation. Rookie center is probably not going to play immediately, but we'll get to that in another conversation. Okay. At the end of this tier for us, CeeDee Lamb, then I'm on Ross St. Brown and we had to jam him in for us. It's Calvin Ridley. I don't think any other show is going to have who is being drafted as the wide receiver 16 all the way up for us as the wide receiver 11, the foragers. Yeah, this was definitely, I think us taking a stand here, but all indications are that he's having a great and healthy training camp. That was important because he hasn't played for the last 
two years. He's still in the prime of his career. He's actually still on his rookie contract. He's trying to fight for a long-term deal here. I think that's key, but really it just comes down to the Jaguars already last year were fourth in wide receiver fantasy usage, very aggressive offense. Trevor Lawrence, you can tell, wants to be an aggressive passer, and that's where Calvin Ridley is going to be able to dominate. The Jaguars just didn't have a downfield threat last year. We've already seen Calvin really be a top five wide receiver when it comes to yards because he is so good downfield. I just think that Trevor Lawrence has been dying to throw the ball downfield and Calvin really is going to be the guy to, to do it this year. Yeah. I mean, his range of outcomes certainly is wider than anyone else in this tier two. But man, I want to aim for the ceiling here with Calvin Ridley because everyone after this will not say everyone, many are the quote unquote wide receiver twos on their team. And I think as we have seen in the past, Calvin Ridley has star qualities yeah. to his game. I mean, Trevor was 18th in percentage of 20 plus yard attempts last year. This offense in the second half and in the playoffs really hit its stride because the coaching is fantastic because Trevor Lawrence has outstanding traits. And they didn't have a player who even came close to this level of talent in terms of unlocking the blades of grass that it needs to. Um, I can't wait for him to be the primary pass catcher on this team and just digging in and asking questions to people that are attending Jags camp out there. He's totally locked in and no Mm -hmm. wide receiver looks like this. No wide receiver looks like this on the Jaguars roster. And Christian Kirk, he was the wide receiver 14 last year. Zay Jones was the wide receiver 26. So, like, worst case, he's going to be Christian Kirk last year, I think. And the other thing is, a couple of years ago, that when DeAndre Hopkins changed teams, everyone's kind of bearish on him. And then it took one week. We saw what his target share was. And then everyone said, I give up. Forget my takes. I'm going back up. I think that's what could happen with Calvin Ridley. Start of Tier 3 is a player who I absolutely love. It's Devontae Smith. Um, had a great conversation with Matt Harmon a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week. Go and watch on the channel on third-year standout wide receivers. Um, Devontae Smith truly is one of those players who, if he was your team's wide receiver one, uh, you would be perfectly happy with it. In fact, Harmon pointed out that the Eagles kept him as their ex-wide receiver last year, even when bringing in A.J. Brown. But what this team does so well, as we have talked about maybe well with another team, is when the rushing success is there, Defenses are forced to play single high coverage and AJ Brown can win man coverage and Devonte Smith can win in man coverage. And the way he just utilizes the length and the size that he does have is incredible. And then you look at Hayden from week nine to the Super Bowl, Devonte Smith out targeted AJ Brown 107 to 104. Yeah, the big difference, though, A.J. Brown's going to be using the red zone a little bit more and downfield, and A.J. Brown's just like an absolute freak. Um, but Devonta Smith is so reliable in the intermediate levels of this field, and there's just going to be way more volume just because the fourth quarters. Last year, uh, Devonta Smith averaged over 20 yards in the first, second, and third quarter. In the fourth quarter, he only averaged nine. And the reason is because he wasn't getting enough targets. The same story you can paint for A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Devonta Smith is so good. I think that he's by far the best number two wide receiver on his own team across the NFL. Even last year, he was wide receiver 15 in fantasy. Um, I just think that he's his intermediate level is so solid, and the floor for this offense is so high. They're first in fourth down aggressiveness, first in neutral pace, yep. seventh in neutral pass rate. If they can keep some of these games closer instead of dominating everybody, I think Devonta Smith's right there. And if there's a, a contingent play of one of these wide receivers, if if A.J. Brown goes down with an injury, which we do not want, Devonta Smith would be right in that top five range. Yeah. I mean, to your point, he had just 12 receptions and 19 targets in fourth quarters across 17 games of last season. 
that's not so stuff. And I know people hate when we say this and when we talk about regression, it comes for everyone and it's probably going to come for the Philadelphia Eagles. But why I keep utilizing this phrase and maybe it'll come back to bite me is that they are regression proof is because the fourth quarter lever has not been pulled for this offense yet. When it comes to Jalen Hurts, when it comes to A.J. Brown, when it comes to Devontae Smith, as you talked about. So I cannot wait, cannot wait to watch this team continue on their stride. And maybe the only change, Hayden, is it's no Shane Sykin and it's just Nick Sirianni. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we aren't talking about that enough. And that's the element that does become a speed bump along the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Names after this. They're great. T. Higgins and Amari Cooper, who quickly, Hayden, we have well above ADP, especially you as wide receiver 12. He's going as wide receiver 17. I think it's in the range of outcomes that we could potentially see a top 10 wide receiver season from Amari Cooper. Yeah, last year, the Browns were 21st in pass attempts. They were 26th in deep target catch rate. They were 26th in neutral pass rate. They were 21st in neutral pace. Everything that I've read, and it makes sense with the new quarterback, is that they're going to play faster and they're going to throw the ball more. And Amari Cooper had such a huge target share that if you kind of extrapolate where if the Browns do finish like top 12 in pass attempts this year, which would not surprise me by any means, Amari Cooper can like jump to like 150 plus targets this year. And he was really good. That Matt Harmon show, he was so bullish on Amari Cooper and like Matt Harmon. I think all of us have kind of been one foot in one foot out with Amari Cooper. He's in the prime of his career right now. And it's just him. Elijah Moore will get to him later. I think he's a good player. He's a good like manufactured touch player at this point. Amari Cooper could dominate on an offense that has way more potential. He's kind of this like player. If you're looking for like stacks to kind of bring you, I think that the Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper in like round four to like in with round eight, I think that could be a stack that could be very profitable on underdog fantasy. Yeah. Arguably his most consistent season of his career was last year. And now this team should just take a step forward. We'll talk about it more when we get to Elijah Moore. Okay. We are 15 wide receivers in Jalen Waddle's face has not come up. Here he is a wide receiver 16. The comments are going to be rolling, Hayden. He's our wide receiver, once again, 16, being drafted as wide receiver 11. Your thoughts? He's just a regression candidate. And, like, even for Jalen Waddle's standard, he was his yards per target was out of control. I don't think that he beats press man coverage at the same rate that Jalen Waddle does. And that's the thing that I think that's going to be facing the Miami Dolphins this year. Instead of playing back and playing scared, they're going to say, all right, you guys have these small wide receivers. Let's get some hands on them early. Let's disrupt the timing that Tua has, and that's Tua's best strength, throwing with accuracy on time. Start making him throw outside the numbers and off time and make him an actual playmaker. I don't really see that clicking too much. So, yes, Jalen Waddle, I think, has certainly a ton of upside. He's literally one of the best wide receivers in the game. But you start looking at, like, his touchdown numbers coming down a little bit, his yards per target coming down, the risk with this Dolphins offensive line, which remains really, really bad. I just have a little bit less or a little more concerns with him versus like T Higgins and Devon Smith, where I just know what I'm getting from the offense and them as players. Yeah. These are all awesome wide receivers in this grouping. And we include Jalen Waddle in there. We absolutely love his talent. And so much focus goes on, Hey, 49% of the team's targets are funneled to Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. What's fascinating though, is just 27.5% of their red zone targets are funneled to Tyree kill. And Jalen Waddle and Waddle is the lowest of that group at like 12 and a half percent of his team's market share of red zone targets. It's not for the Dolphins necessarily. It's just, you know, universally across the league, about 50 percent of passing touchdowns happen inside of the red zone. So that makes me a little bit nervous. Obviously, he's one of the best big play, you know, wide receivers in the league. He breaks your regression model because of it. Mm-hmm. But we haven't 
fully seen, and we're not going to until week one, the counterpunch from Mike McDaniel and this Dolphins team. And if one of the two wide receivers is going to take a step back in their production, you and I are holding hands. That is going to be Jalen Waddle and, mm-hmm. uh, and not Tyreek Hill. That's for sure. All right. We'll close up this tier with Keenan Allen, Chris Olave, and DK Metcalf. One old guy, one young guy, and one who's in the prime of his career. Pick one. Well, I'm so much lower on Chris Olave, so I have to talk about him. And he was third in yards per route run in the NFL last year. That is insane. If you start looking at like what these rookies that perform at that high of a level, the hit rate on these guys is like basically 100%. Chris Olave will not be bad. I am also concerned at the same time that his team environment is one of the worst in the league. And last year, everything was kind of breaking his way. He was competing with like Jarvis Landry, Marquez Callaway, Jawan Johnson. Those are like the best players competing with Chris Olave. If Michael Thomas is healthy, I think that's bad news for him. If Alvin Kamara catches more passes, I think that's bad news for him. But really, it's just they were 26 in pass attempts last year, dead last in fourth down aggressiveness, dead last in play action rate, 29th in neutral pace, 29th in neutral pass rate. He only had 3.7 expected touchdowns based off of his usage because the team doesn't get to the red zone. And when they do, here comes Taysom Hill. Here comes Jamal Williams this year. They just do all this nonsense stuff. And I was looking at it. This blew my mind. He played on 66% of the Saints snaps last year in his healthy games. 66% of the snaps. They rotate these wide receivers in ways that do not make any sense to me. So as good as Chris Olave is, he was the wide receiver 34 per game last year. So I'm expecting a bigger jump jump from him, but I cannot get on board with the second round stuff with him, even though I think that he's one of the better wide receivers in the whole league. Yeah, he's being drafted as wide receiver 12. I rank him as wide receiver 14. You're all the way down there at wide receiver 21. I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I love Chris Olave as a talent. I obviously do believe that Derek Carr is better than Andy Dalton. Uh, what's fascinating is how far down the field Chris Olave's average depth of target was last year. He was still the primary read in all of this. The hope is that more of the easy stuff comes to fruition for Chris Olave this season. And it's not just, hey, the only way we can make explosive plays is through Olave. Um, but like you said, man, the core... The root of this team is the coaching staff and the mindset. And I don't know if it's getting enough recognition, just how scared this team played last Mm -hmm. year. And maybe there's a difference again with it being a quarterback with Derek Carr, or maybe it's just the identity of Dennis Allen, this coaching staff. Defensive minded head coach. This offensive coordinator has been there since like 2014. Why would they change this year? And and by the way, Derek Carr had one of his worst years last year, and Andy Dalton had one of his better years given it. I think like the like the it's not a lock to me that Derek Carr is just gonna play way better than what Andy Dalton did. You have Keen Allen way above, by the way. He's going as wide receiver 19. You have mm-hmm. him as wide receiver 15. And I totally get that, but we have a lot, a lot of Chargers conversations on the way. Here we go now to tier four. It is headlined for us by Debo Samuel, who we're basically in line with ADP with. I quickly want to remind everyone that Debo Samuel would have been the wide receiver 10 if you just looked at his fantasy points at wide receiver when he had that monster 2021 season and got rid of all the rushing stats. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also Brock Purdy's favorite pass catcher. Um, Okay, this tier is fascinating, and I'll run through these names, and there's two that we really need to talk about. Next is Mike Williams then Jerry Judy, then Terry McLaurin, then Drake London, and then Christian Watson. This list is fascinating to me, Hayden, because it's a cluster of players where I think 
one player and one situation is going to pay massive dividends. If you take the right one, you have a leg up because one is going to have a top 15, maybe top 10 season. Mm -hmm. It's just so difficult to know which one of these seven it is going to be. I hate to make it simple, but the first two on the list play on the good offenses and then the last three don't. <laughs> so with Debo Samuel, the, the big thing that I'm looking for, well, one, he's in better shape and he's kind of been inconsistent because he's been battling through injuries. But last year he was used, I think it was fancy play syndrome, too much of the running, too much of the motion stuff. Like you said, he's just a, such a good wide receiver. Yeah. His yards uh, or average depth of target was like basically cut in half. There was none of the deep shows. If you rewind, go back to our old, when we had like 6,000 subscribers to this YouTube channel and all of our lighting looked terrible and all of that stuff. Debo Samuel was dunking on all of my deep targets uh, models because he's actually a good wide receiver down the field. Yeah. I hope we get that. But my guy in this tier is Mike Williams. This is always yes. Mike Williams. I've been on the Mike Williams train for a long time. Wide receiver nine in 2021. Last year, wide receiver 18 per game. He missed so much time, but he was sixth in adjusted yards per route run. All this narrative about more deep shots and all that stuff moving across the formation. The guy that's going to benefit that from the most is Mike Williams, the downfield threat. I would like to see Quentin Johnson do that. Maybe Quentin Johnson becomes the downfield guy, but I know that's where Mike Williams win. The fact that he's out there right now and he's healthy is good news for me. And if Justin Herbert goes crazy this year, back like how this offense was a couple of years ago, I do think that Mike Williams does have the upside to be a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Just to reinforce how much Hayden loves Mike Williams, he's being drafted by all of you right now on Underdog Fantasy as wide receiver 25. Hayden ranks him all the way up there as wide receiver 16. Bolt, bolt. Um, my guy of this group, I'm just going to go with it, is Terry McLaurin. 14th highest yards after contact per catch last year. He had the 11th most broken tackles per reception last year as well. So the short stuff, the yards at the catch, he has that in his bag. We also know that he's one of the best vertical players in the league too. Just ball winner, go up and get it on bad teams. However, what we talked about in the 32 facts show, he only has three career touchdowns inside of the 10 yard line. He just finished his fourth NFL season. 18 pass catchers last year scored four or more touchdowns inside of the 10 yard line. So some people might view that as a negative. They might say, well, he doesn't win in that area because of his skills and his traits. I would say maybe that's more of a quarterback stat, a uh, bad team stat as well, and also uh, play caller stat, just not getting inside of the 20 and inside the 10 often enough. I think he's good enough to win there. I'm slightly optimistic about this commander's offense. Oh, um, boy. Slightly. And I think Terry McLaurin is going to make really, really good on what this wide receiver 23 ADP he's at at the moment. I think he can, he can reemerge as the alpha wide receiver he has charted as. Yeah, I agree that he could be a little bit better this year because the offense should be better just by default. I don't think the Sam Howell's any good, but just better than what they have. Taylor Heineke's for sure not good. Right. The problem is, is as that's happening, here comes Jahan Dotson, who we also think is very good. And before Don't Terry me. McLaurin was like battling against absolute nobodies, I think Jahan Dotson's a legit dude right now. I do too. And maybe the inside the 10-yard line stat is a Jahan Dotson stat as well because he can thrive in that air of the field yeah. all the way back to his Penn State days. Okay, that's actually it for tier four. Have you ever been on vacation? After a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in. Room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that 
the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. Now we jump down to tier five. DJ Moore goes here. We talked all last offseason about big time wide receivers, changing teams, going to new situations. Other than DeAndre Hopkins, who we'll get to in a moment, DJ Moore maybe tops that list. Uh, many people might be way higher. Some might be pessimistic and be way lower. You and I kind of thread the needle because he is our wide receiver 25 and he's being drafted as wide receiver 26. We're boring. I don't have a good take with him. Me either. either. <laughs> like, I mean, this is, I, I would say the wide receivers for sure, like ab- above Jerry Judy, like I feel very confident that those are going to be just good fantasy assets. This is the tier where you start having question marks. And I think that's where DJ Moore should belong. Uh, last year, he was a wide receiver, 25, 57th overall player uh, with the Panthers. The Panthers completed 2.5 more passes per game, 45 more yards per game, probably other than the bears did last year, the bears will probably close that gap. So we're at a similar kind of offensive environment to me at this point. So he was wide receiver 25 last year. That's where we kind of have him right now. Yeah. I like Justin Fields as a player. To me, it's always amazing when the best athlete on the field is the quarterback of the team, too. It just makes things more exciting. But even me being a fan, it is fair to say that he has to improve in many areas, and namely avoiding as many negative plays as he's had in the past. And sure, you might say sack is an offensive line stat. I would say it's a combination of quarterback and offensive line. The dude just turns negative plays into even worse plays. Um, And he has to get that out of his game and maybe getting a quote unquote wide receiver one helps him do that. I hope so. I I will say with the offensive line, there's actually talent on there. They found their left tackle. They drafted a first round right tackle. Tevin Jenkins at least has theoretical upside. They assigned some players. They're moving players from guard to center. There's at least talent there. Now, I will say, none of them have played in this position with this offensive line. It's a whole brand new offensive line. Usually, you want some continuity there. But at least for the first time, you can at least say there's some talent in front of Justin Fields. Yeah, and no one has been worse at allowing pressures to become sacks in the first two years of the NFL career as Justin Fields. If you just watch the games, I'm I'm not saying anything new to you. He Mm -hmm. turns negative plays even worse. Okay, after this, it's your boy. Deontay Johnson, who you have come around on, at least the models have, so that means you have as well. And the next up is DeAndre Hopkins, a big disagreement between me and you. Uh, after his signing to the Tennessee Titans, it's settled around wide receiver 24 on underdog fantasy. That's exactly where you have him. I have him down at wide receiver 30. So where? why is this the mark for you? I'm waving the white flag. Maybe uh, our editor could w- wave this white flag and post I think my initial ranking here was just not very good. So I I moved him down a little bit. Just looking at it, A.J. Brown averaged 1,000 yards in this offense, only 68 receptions. I think that his ceiling is just a little bit capped. I think what your point's going to be is that 
DeAndre Hopkins had a good fantasy season last year, but if that might have been just because there was a lack of other weapons, the defense was so bad and where he wins right now is in short intermediate. And that's where he was on the same page. But beyond that, we might be looking at a step back and going back to that show about the age cliffs and the breakouts. Once we get to the later part of the careers, you find the one year where you see a slight dip and then you go out until you see that slight dip, keep buying them. Maybe I think that's what you're going to say that we saw that last year for the first time. Yeah. Um, I know some of the charting and some people watching his games will say that he hasn't lost a step. I've talked to a couple players or one that has played with DeAndre Hopkins and he is firmly in the camp that DeAndre Hopkins has lost a step. And he's always been an awesome contested catch wide receiver. Like he's been an amazing wide receiver just in general, but more and more of his game is going to rely on that. I mean, 33% of his catches last year were contested versus, you know, his best season three years ago at this point. Um, that was just down at like 21%. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be playing the X wide receiver spot either. I think they're probably going to keep trail on there. And then, and I could be wrong with all this. And then DeAndre Hopkins is like the veteran presence, but it goes back to this Hayden. He is not AJ Brown in a low volume offense. And this team, even with Ryan Tannehill playing last year was what 29th in the league in passing attempts per game. They know who they are. We talked about in the running back tier show. It's going to be run the ball. And mm -hmm. I think Traylon's going to emerge a little bit more than you do. And I just don't think DeAndre Hopkins is that star-studded wide receiver that he once was. It's all fair. After this, it's a player that you and I are way above ADP on. He's being drafted as wide receiver 36. We have him as our wide receiver 28. It's Jordan Addison. Um, I don't know if you're going to find another show out there, Hayden, that has him listed as their number one rookie wide receiver, but you will hear. Yeah, two years ago, Adam Thielen was the wide receiver 11 per game. Last year, Adam Thielen was cooked, but he was second in routes, only trailing his teammate Justin Jefferson. Because the Vikings are top 10 in usual pass rate and pace, their defense this year remains pretty bad. But the big thing is now they have a defensive coordinator that's going to blitz a ton, which is actually going to speed up these games. It's in a dome environment. The special teams was a disaster last year. So there makes sense why the Vikings are always in these shootouts. Kirk Cousins is probably the most overanalyzed uh, quarterback in the league. When he's on time, that dude is delivering a perfect pass all the time. And Jordan Addison, I also think, was nitpicked throughout the pre-draft process. He destroyed man, uh, man coverage, no matter if he's at USC or Pitt. They moved him in the slot at USC. He was winning on the perimeter with Kenny Pickett. They used him in the screen game. And I think that's where the Vikings can start peppering Jordan Addison a little bit. And he's going to have all this one-on-one -on -one coverage. And he just has a precedent of absolutely destroying it um, in ways that I think Adam Thielen used to do and just didn't do last year. Yeah. For the 17th time this summer on one of our shows, I'll mention the stat that you told me that Justin Jefferson was number one in routes last year. Adam Thielen was number two in routes last season. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty simple game when you get a now second-year play caller in Kevin O'Connell who wants to throw the ball, understands that is how you win games, and then goes out there, did, like sends his elderly wide receiver to the curb, and then spends a first-round wide receiver or a pick on a wide receiver, and then immediately mm -hmm. after drafting Jordan Addison says, well, it's because Justin Jefferson in a handful of games, namely two against the Detroit Lions, sees more double teams than anyone else across the league, and so our second top wide receiver is going to see more advantageous looks than almost any other in the national football league. And we mm -hmm. think Jordan Addison can beat man coverage at a pretty high rate. It's, it's a simple game to me. 
I have one last little note. They also signed Josh Oliver, a blocking tight yes. end, to a ton yes. of money. If we get two wide receiver sets yes. with these two, his target share is going to be way better than people are giving credit for. Yes, I, I think we're going to see way more two tight end sets from the Vikings this season with Tejia Hawkinson as an F type, a move type. You can see him in the, in the slot as well. And while KJ Osborne has a couple nice games here or there, I guarantee you if the offensive line continues to struggle, they put a six offensive lineman out there with Josh Oliver, which is basically what he is. And then their three wide receivers are Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson. Draft him right now. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think you will see a price this cheap for Jordan Addison the rest of the way as wide receiver 36. We're eight spots above ADP on him. Uh, this is a tier, again, we diverge either from the public or with each other. And this next name is with each other. Brandon Ayuk mm -hmm. being drafted as wide receiver 28. I have him as wide receiver 26. You have him as wide receiver 35. I'll get into this because, I, again, I think it's important. I can't point to one specific stat that suggests my love for him. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, but I agree with you. Well, I, I, I'm going to agree what you're going to say, and then I think our conclusion is going to be different. This is more of like a gut feel and like an admiration of talent for Brandon Ayuk because I think he is one of the – more elite route runners in the league that isn't frequently listed as a top 10 player. When you think about that, um, I also think Brock Purdy is better at creating in San Francisco's offense than, you know, Jim Garoppolo has been in his past, just in terms of extended plays, quick twitch, those types of things. He's more willing to throw down the field as well. And while we most recently have huge seasons from Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey in the latter half or, you know, George Kittle finally breaking that five touchdown mark he's had for every single season of his career. We've also in the history of Kyle Shanahan offenses and Shanahan offenses seen major seasons from X wide receivers. Mm -hmm. um, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson, heck, Pierre Garçon went for like 1300 yards with the Washington team back in the day. And so I think that Brandon Ayuk is going to have one of those seasons at some point, even if last year's Brock Purdy statistics of who we threw the football to do not suggest it's going to be this year. Yeah. And that's why I just keep going back to, I think if Debo or George Kittle missed a lot of time, then I think that Ayuk has upside. So I think in best ball, even though I rank him kind of low, I will still mix him in because I think that he's chance for upside still there, but like redraft is like baseline projection. I think it's just one of these DJ Morse type of players where the, we know they're good, but just the team environment just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Even last year in 20 games, including the playoffs, one game of over 85 yards, one game with over eight or at least eight receptions. It just comes down to CMC, D-Bone, Kittle. They all missed time last year too. There's a chance that all three of those players play even more, and it's just going to be harder for Brandon Ayuk to get there. He's a wide receiver 37 last year on wide receiver 41 usage. So I'm, I'm with you. I want him to be good. If he can get traded or well, something like good. that, Yes, but like I want to be good for fantasy. Like, who cares if he's good for the 49ers? All right, we'll round out this tier with these five names. It's Christian Kirk, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, and Tyler Lockett. Pick one of those names. Tell us why. Well, could you and I just have the debate, Tyler Lockett versus JSN? Like, could we, <laughs> that's going to be something that people are, are debating here. I'm on team JSN, and it kind of pains me. But he's been destroying in camp. I thought he was such a good scheme fit. I think Geno Smith can keep all three of them afloat. Keep in mind, he was top 10 in PFF grade, big-time throw rate, success rate, uh, and completion percentage over expected. The Seahawks were sixth in neutral pass rate, even though they are two good wide receivers. Now they have three. The volume's going to be there. I think that JSN 
could get there. And I think that Tyler Lockett had a very good season last year, but so much of it was coming off of the touchdowns. He was wide receiver 36 in usage. He had almost five more touchdowns than what his usage would indicate. If that regresses a little bit, I think that there's a chance that JSN could match him when it comes to targets. This is tough because I only have positive things to say about all three of these Seahawks wide receivers, yet it's very unlikely that all three Seahawks wide receivers finish inside of the top 33 wide receivers this year. Mm -hmm. So like something has to happen. You and I actually both have them back to back. I have JSN Tyler Lockett 31, 32. You have them 32 and 33. What's been cool to see, and it makes sense as much as training camp clips can be practice clips and so on and so forth. Exactly what we saw about Jackson Smith and Jigba during his time at Ohio State, which was fluidity, zero wasted movement. It's exactly what you see in all these practice things. Um, I feel like Shane Waldron maybe doesn't get enough credit for how they've taken this leap after Russell Wilson. And it's like, oh, this is why they trusted him, kept this coaching staff instead of trying to keep Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty clear like they have an idea what they want to be with three wide receivers that can be out there at all times. Uh, You're just going to take some piece of the pie and look, they might actually come from DK Metcalf and not Tyler Lockett. Who knows? I will say with DK Metcalf, he scored like three fewer touchdowns than his usage was expected in DK Metcalf. Close your eyes. You can picture a 14 touchdown season from DK Metcalf at any point. And I don't know if it's skewed. I have to go back and watch the individual games, but DK Metcalf led the NFL in market mm-hmm. share of his team's targets, what inside of either the 10 or the, the, the 20 yard line, one of the two. And that's wild I, to think of. I wonder if that's because he's six, four two thirty, and eats Skittles all day. <laughs> what a freak of a human being. Okay. Before we go anywhere, I should have done this at the top one, subscribe to the channel. If you're not, you're an absolute loser. Fix that. Fix that Two. Play on Underdog Fantasy. Best ball. Now is the time to do this. Before we get to all the preseason games or even after preseason week one, if you want to react to all those, as we will be doing on this channel, we will match your first deposit, as this says, up to $100. Use promo code show or click the link in the description down below. We'll be putting out tons of different tournaments, some $3, some $5. But if you want to win you know, a few million dollars, go into your best ball, Mania 4. And we haven't talked about it in a while. Weekly winners. It's DFS and best ball combined. 17 yep. weekly tournaments. Never been done before. We have $3.5 million up for grabs. Very fun game to think about. So if you're still watching a video on August 2nd, 40 minutes in, I think that you would like weekly winners. Give it a try. Yeah, we love you for it. Tier 6 is up next. And we kick it off with a player that of this entire list, I think we disagree on the most. He's being drafted as wide receiver 35. Ivan is wide receiver 29. You're at wide receiver 40, and it's Michael Pittman. This is going to be an awesome conversation to have. We have not discussed him, I think, at all so far this summer. Um, I'll go first, okay? Go for it. Last year, Michael Pittman played with Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, and Sam Ellinger. Two of those quarterbacks are out of the league. One's the quarterback three on the same roster. Then you go back to 2021. It was Carson Wentz and Jacob Eason. Neither of those guys are on NFL rosters at this moment. That's pretty amazing when you think about it, you know? (laughs) Um, And, you know, situation, offense can lead to down seasons for wide receivers, and it's not just isolated. I mean, he averages 6.9 air yards per target last year. That is an offense stat, not a Michael Pittman stat. And to me, when I look at who the Colts want to be, and yes, this does involve Jonathan Taylor, 
when I visualize it, Shane Sykin was so good at creating single high coverage based on rushing success. We think that Anthony Richardson and hopefully with Jonathan Taylor, when that rushing success does happen, then you get man coverage on the outside with one single high safety for Michael Pittman and Matt Harmon's charting charting. And you and I love Michael Pittman as a player specializes that his success rate versus man coverage in 2021 and 2022 was incredible. It was special. And so this is a scenario where I think that this is a post sleeper, post hype sleeper, who is the one I'm flag planting and everyone's out on Michael Pittman. And I think the situation is just going to vault him back into the status of, Oh, y'all must've forgot how talented MPJ is. I agree with you. And this makes, I'm going to have to cons- reconsider my ranking here a little bit because I am lower. The reason why, and it's, it's the obvious one, um, since 2010, there's been 35 rookie quarterbacks who had 300 pass attempts. Their top receiver on average has finished as the wide receiver 37. If you look at the mobile quarterbacks, that drops down to wide receiver 46. So that's what he's fighting up against with Anthony Richardson, who's going to run the ball a lot. But at the same time, I agree. Michael Pittman is just so good. He's good. And there's a chance that Anthony Richardson is just better than what we think. That we at least have see a path where he can be a reasonable pocket passer in the league on top of all the stuff. So... I was looking at it. I moved him up even just today, a couple over a couple of these guys. I just don't see much of a ceiling path. I think his ceiling is kind of capped, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a wide receiver three, just because he is so damn good at the game. And I understand the numbers that you put up and I'll I'll pull them up here again, but this is to the average, isn't it? Like at least that first that I know not the mobile quarterbacks, but the first Mm -hmm. one it's comparing it to the Kenny Pickett's, the Josh Rosen's, to that of the world, you and I don't believe that Anthony Richardson belongs in the same conversation as the Zach Wilsons of the world in terms of quarterbacks. And we don't know, but that's just what our individual evaluations are. Like, I think Anthony Richardson is better than average. And I understand that he was worse at throwing closer than 10 yards to the line of scrimmage. And it actually where he's yeah. better is throwing down the field. I'm just optimistic about right. this operation. Yeah, and I think that Andy Richardson can could get there, but I also and like was factoring in how good and how valuable rushing is for quarterbacks, and that's why I was super high on him. But I will note the players that actually were top twenty four wide receivers with rookie quarterbacks: Steve Smith, Reggie Wayne, Keenan Allen, Vincent Jackson, DJ Shark out of nowhere, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, all of the really really good wide receivers. So if you think that Michael Pittman is really really good. He can get there, but the bar is pretty high. A lot of those players I just named are like going to be Hall of Famers. Yep. All right. Next on this list, Gabe Davis, who you can draft this year as wide receiver 37 after he was going as wide receiver 19 last year. <laughs> and he's the same exact player with the same exact skills and the same yeah. exact traits. And you're getting a 18 spot discount. It's pretty simple math to me. They were second in basically every offensive stat, but they were second worst in turnover rate. Josh Allen was playing through injury. Gabe Davis played through injury. They were had, ran so unlucky when it came to these turnovers, and they were still dominant. So the upside's obvious. Jahan Dotson, Mike Evans, George Pickens, and Brandon Cooks are the next four names. I, don't, I haven't talked at all about Brandon Cooks this offseason. I think going back and watching a ton of Cowboys offense last year it was amazing that it was cd lamb and everyone else and you have to weigh that along with weighing that now it's mike mccarthy calling the offense and not kellen moore calling it so does the wide receiver two on this team 
fill as much of a void and is as impactful as he would have been last year, if that makes sense. No, I think that it's exactly what they need. They didn't have a vertical weapon out there. CeeDee Lamb was got a little bit better at that, but Michael Gallup wasn't the same. Their number three wide receiver could not win downfield. I think that Brandon Cooks has enough gas left in the tank to be a number two wide receiver, and they certainly need him. And I do wonder if we're kind of overanalyzing the Mike McCarthy stuff just a little bit. They just can't run the ball. Like this offense is just not set up to run the ball. They're way better with Dak Prescott throwing the ball to CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks. Uh, if they can get Michael Gallup as a number three, Tony Pollard's very good in the in the receiving game. I'm not sure if they're just gonna like run the ball all of the time out there. I wonder if we're like kind of putting too much emphasis on that. And at the end of the day, the Cowboys are gonna be top 10 in passing numbers again. Did he visit PFF this offseason? We don't know. We don't know. Who knows? Uh, Elijah Moore is up next for us. Um, I really like Elijah Moore, man. Um, Amari Cooper got 132 targets last year. Donovan Peoples-Jones got 96. Uh, the next one was in the 30s on the team. I think DPJ is still going to play a lot of snaps, or it's going to be Marquise Goodwin, or it's going to be Cedric Tillman or, or someone, because I mm -hmm. fully believe that this team is going to live out of 11 personnel this year. Yeah, and he he's already getting manufactured touches, which some, sometimes scares me and sometimes a positive indicator. He was so dominant in college, and he was so good as a rookie, and he was good as a rookie on the outside a little bit. I do wonder if Elijah Moore is just significantly better than Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he can kind of enter this tier. I think this is like where we kind of start falling off a cliff, though, where like I think that running back should be in your flex over like these type of wide receivers. All right, well, let's hit on a few of these then. Traylon Burks is next for us. He would have been higher if it was not for DeAndre Hopkins. But I'm, I'm so optimistic about Traylon Burks this year. I think a year two wide receiver jump. I wasn't in last year as a rookie. I am more so in this year in year two. And then Rashad Bateman. Um, we don't have any other Ravens on this list. Uh, but for us, Rashad Bateman, and I don't feel great about it, ranks as the top Baltimore wide receiver. I just moved him down today because he's still not practicing. And apparently Zay Flowers looks good. Odell Beckham's out there practicing right now. We don't know who's going to win that job. I think initially I was like Rashad Bateman's the biggest, youngest, most experienced, kind of hitting all three of those. But if he's not going to be out there early on, I do think that matters just a little bit. Quentin Johnson is next. And you and I had a lot to say about Quentin Johnson prior to the NFL draft. And I think his, you know, flaws were obvious. His negatives were obvious, but his positives were too. And Hey, this is one of those situations where as soon as his landing spot was figured out, I've reset kind of my opinion of mm -hmm. Quentin Johnson. Um, next week we'll have the first episode of scheme. It's focusing in on the playbook that Kellen Moore has to create explosive plays and anything from 12 to 20 yards and really any down and distance, he draws it up so well. And while I certainly appreciate and rank Keen Allen and Mike Williams high, Quentin Johnson, after watching that, really excites me. And sure, he's going to have practices where he drops four in a single scrimmage. Uh, he's also going to have electric, game-changing plays. And I am kind of banking on him figuring out towards the end of the season. But you and I have quite a disparity in our Quentin Johnson rankings. Yeah, I think there's still plenty of upside here. And as damn as I was on Quentin Johnson as a prospect, I do think it was the perfect scheme fit for him. And I'm actually going to fight against the analytics community on this. If you just look at his yards after the catch numbers, you would think that he's this like manufactured underneath guy. He's not. His best tape to me 
is winning downfield where he doesn't have to do the in-breaking route where the route running doesn't really matter that much. Just use your athleticism and go downfield and create separation because you're just bigger and faster than everyone else. I'm going to bet that he has very little yards after the catch numbers and is winning downfield. His eight dots going to be significantly higher. I think he's not going to have any floor in redraft leagues. He's probably going to average like four targets per game, but he is a better and best ball type of player. And there is contingent upside. And I like when there's contingent upside with two wide receivers, especially two older injury prone wide receivers like Keenan and Mike Williams. So I'm leaving the light out on him just because it's the perfect scheme for like you said. Well, if I'm much higher on Quentin Johnston, you're much higher on Juju Smith's user <laughs> in this tier. Uh, he's being drafted as wide receiver 55. Don't turn off your computers, or your television sets. Hayden has him all the way up there as wide receiver 39. It's a tradition for me to get canceled 45 minutes into a podcast. I'll do it with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. This version is going to be with Juju Smith Schuster. If you're going to say which one of these players is for sure going to beat his ADP and not like by a significant margin or like win you your league, I would nominate Juju Smith-Schuster. Nobody wants to draft Juju Smith-Schuster, but he got a two-year, $20 million contract to replace Jacoby Myers. Do you know where Jacoby Myers finished last year? Wide receiver 36. Juju was the wide receiver 38 per game. He was actually playing pretty well before that injury. He's healthy right now. This offense is going to be way better. The jump from Patricia to Bill O'Brien isn't as big as Urban Meyer to, to uh, Peterson, but it's going to be very significant. I think that Mac Jones can play and Juju is going to be the guy that's going to be winning underneath the offensive line has a chance to be much better in new England as well. Early reports suggested doing a lot of rotation at wide receiver, but I'll also go on record again saying that it might be an RPO heavy offense. And I was going to bring this up with Michael Pittman, uh, Ben Gretsch, JJ Zacharyson have done some studies recently in RPO heavy offenses and they're funneled to mainly one pass catcher. Yep. That could be Juju here, especially because Hunter Henry is just totally outplaying Mike Kosicki at this point. And for the Colts, that could be Michael Pittman as well. Um, and then just to close this, Kadarius Tony and Michael Thomas. We'll have them another time. All right. That's going to do it. There goes our top 40 wide receiver tiers. Again, I'll throw them up there. We already did one of these shows on running backs. We'll have another one with quarterbacks to end. And if you're looking for sleepers much later than this, we have our favorites at every single position after pick 120. So go and find those on the channel as well. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Hit that subscribe button. Up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon.